This is Enjoy Cherokee Voices, a podcast recorded live to deliver in-depth conversations with dynamic people from all corners of Cherokee County. Listeners like you sink into this weekly podcast to learn more about the people that make Cherokee County extraordinary. And now it's time to get to know another neighbor. Here's your host, Jody Drinker. Hello, hello. I have a very special guest here today in the studio. Her name is Miss Sue Hansard. Welcome to Enjoy Cherokee Voices. Well, thank you for having me. Sue is one of our community's newest authors. Is this your first book? Yes, ma'am. It is your first book, and it is called Raised on Red Dirt. It's a memoir, true stories in here, and there's a lot of humor in this book. So, Miss Sue, where were you born and raised? I was born in the Macedonia community of Cherokee County in 1947. Mm-hmm. And were you the youngest? Yes, ma'am, of, of five siblings. And uh, your mom and dad, I'm going to start back further. So your mother and father were born and raised where? Uh, my daddy was born in Blue Ridge in a little community called Ellers Gap, and they moved to Cherokee County when he was age 10 in 1918. Mm-hmm. And my mom was born in Dahlonega, Georgia. And I'm not sure of the year that my grandfather Crane moved uh, to Cherokee County, but he purchased uh, what used to be called Orange Mill, and it was a corn mill. And in then it became known as Crane's Mill, and that was my grandfather that ran that mill for many years. I'll be darned, that was something else. So your father, though, he moved with his parents, and his parents' names are what? what? Uh, Walter Joseph Curtis and uh, Victoria Ida Kell Curtis. Okay, and then they moved from Blue Ridge area to... Cherokee County, and they did this in two parts, kind of, didn't they? Uh, just, yes, uh, it took them two trips to, to get here. <laughs> yeah, so your father's name is what? Otis. Otis. So Otis and his father left Blue Ridge with everything they owned on a, on a horse and wagon, is that right? Yes, ma'am. They had uh, borrowed a, another mule from a neighbor, and it was called a two-horse wagon and because it was uh, heavier and bigger than a one-horse wagon. So they put all the furniture that they could carry uh, onto the wagon. As they were getting ready to leave, my grandmother, Curtis, decided that she needed to have her chickens taken with them. <laughs> so she <laughs> grabbed a um, nest that had a setting hen in it. What is a setting hen? uh, She is sitting on her eggs to hatch little baby chicks. Okay. So she put her in a a cage and put her on the wagon, and so the little baby chicks uh, hatched on the way to Cherokee County. Oh, my goodness. Daddy daddy at age 10 had to take care of little baby chicks along with uh, riding a bumpy wagon. Oh, my goodness. So, by the, so they left with one hand, and they got there with a bunch of chicks? Yes. That's crazy. Well, they had uh, four hens and a rooster in another cage. Okay. So then when they got here, was there a house waiting for them? Yes. Uh, Grandpa had already come down and made arrangements to uh, buy this, uh, the place in Macedonia. Do you have any idea why they, were dis- they decided to move from the Blue Ridge area to... Cherokee County? Uh, actually, no, except that I have heard my aunts and uncles say that uh, Grandpa Curtis decided the land was easier to tend here in Cherokee County because it, it wasn't so hilly. It wasn't so hilly? Okay, yeah. yeah the fields were flatter and he could buy more acreage. Uh, that would be good farmland. Right. So your folks moved down here, or your, your daddy was 10, and he moved down here with a bunch of chicks. Then 
the train brought the rest of the family down. Is that right? Yes. Uh, Grandma and the uh, other three younger children rode the train down. And it took uh, Daddy uh, about two hours from Macedonia down to the train station here in Canton to pick up uh, Grandma. And it had only taken her around two hours to ride the train from Blue Ridge to Canton. That is something else. Earlier, when they were taking the mules with the two-horse wagon, how long did it take them to get from Blue Ridge to Cherokee County? Um, Biggest part of three days. Mm -hmm. And where did they spend the nights? Uh, They spent the nights with farmers that would allow them to sleep in their barn. So you think they just knocked on the door and said, hey, can I sleep on the hay? Hey, can I hay it tonight? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they were, you know, everybody, most likely daddy knew whoever he was stopping to ask, Mm. or grandpa did, and uh, the farmer would let them sleep in the barn, but the lady of the house would fix a a big supper and have them come in and just eat supper and breakfast with them. And then they would fix like biscuits with some meat and maybe a fresh tomato or a cucumber for the road for their lunch. How nice. That's really nice. And then they gave hay, I suppose, to the to the mules so that they could Yes, but lunch. the farmer expected pay for his hay. Uh-huh. But no money for the biscuit? No. All right. No money for the food, but uh, evidently it was much harder to cut and bale hay than it was to raise food. I guess, yeah. All right, so now your parents are, are or your, your daddy is here. He's growing up. He's 10 years old, growing up here. What was life like for him on the farm? Well, he was the oldest child of the family. So he was expected to learn the farming techniques and things like that. So children at that young age worked much more so than they do in my lifetime mm-hmm. and or yours. So um, he played along the creeks, and there was uh, a tree on the edge of their property that had some carvings on the tree. It was a large beech tree. They said those carvings were Native American uh, carvings. No kidding. And so at the age of 10 or 11, my dad carved his name, O.V. Curtis, around the base of those carvings that were already in the tree. So one of the carvings was like a a rabbit. The other one was a flaming broken arrow. And there was a a couple of just straight arrows pointing in the western direction. So uh, they say that uh, the Native Americans that lived here in Cherokee County uh, and all over put those markings as guiding trails for anyone else that would be traveling. What would they? What were they pointing to? Well, uh, over on the back side of Grandpa's property, there was a overhang, kind of like a cave, mm-hmm. but it was just a big bank that had huge rocks hanging out over it, and maybe six people could get under those rocks and be protected from the rain or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then there was two freshwater springs, so uh, they evidently were pointing to the traveler where they could get water and maybe a shelter for the night. That is pretty amazing. Do you have pictures of those trees, or did you ever see those trees in your lifetime? I saw them as an adult. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I probably did see them as a child, but I wasn't allowed to go in that area and play by myself. So uh, as an adult, uh, 
I went down to that tree, and I did take some pictures. You did. And the tree stood on a bank of a small creek. And if you were at that tree looking up the hill, it almost looked like an outside amphitheater. Because it was rounded, and you could just imagine that maybe the Native Americans might have had a council meeting there because that's the way the property looked. But now that Woodmont has moved in and bought some of the property next door, it doesn't look the same. It doesn't. Is the tree gone? No, the last time my son was down there, he said it was there, but the erosion at the uh, roots from the creek uh, is making it very probably going to fall soon. Oh, the tree is going to fall. Can he, Did he still see the engravings on there? Yes, but they're kind of more dim because of the bark right. growing over the carvings. Sure. You were born and raised right near where Woodmont is today. Yes, there's a cul-de-sac that backs up to my property. Mm-hmm. People in Woodmont, you're living on some sacred ground over there. The Mill on Etowah, in conjunction with the Georgia Wildlife Foundation, is proud to present the first annual Etowah Wildlife Expo the weekend of August the 20th. This exclusive wildlife expo brings an experiential celebration of Georgia's wildlife through expert demonstrations, live entertainment, fine arts, and related vendors. This event is for all sportsmen and is also a great reason for a weekend getaway for families and outdoor enthusiasts. Demonstrations at the Etowah Wildlife Expo include a live reptile show, bass fishing, fishing demonstrations, float fishing, presentations on the Etowah River, retriever exhibition, and much more. Live music, fine art, and even a wild game dinner will round out the weekend. The Etowah Wildlife Expo is scheduled for August 20th through the 22nd at the Mill on Etowah in downtown Canton. For registration and up-to-date event details, visit www.etowahwildlifeexpo.com. That's www.etowahwildlifeexpo.com. One of the funniest things I read in this book is <laughs> your first day at school. Tell yeah. me about your first day at school. <laughs> you, first of all, first of all, how badly did you want to go to school? Well, I, I wanted to go to school really bad until I got there. <laughs> yeah, until you got there. <laughs> and I didn't realize that I would be away from my mom. Oh. And we had... A teacher that had a very booming voice, and I was always used to my soft-spoken mother. What was your teacher's name? Um, I am not going to use her real name because she does have relatives left in Cherokee County, and I put Mrs. Fosbury as a a name. So, you, so in the <laughs> book, name. this the name was changed. To protect the innocent, is that right? Yes. Okay. So, Mrs. Vosberry, we'll call her Mrs. Vosberry. Right. How did she treat you? Well, well, first, was, can you describe Mrs. Vosberry to me? What did she look like? She was tall, and she was a rather heavy set lady. She wore glasses. She's real dark headed. Uh, but the thing that impressed me, it always seems to me that she was almost yelling instead of just talking mm-hmm. because she, I don't know, I guess she thought she had to get above the little murmur of us, you know, looking at each other and asking each other's names. and So she that. was, dema- she was what, what would you call it? She had a presence in the room, huh? Yes. She speak yes. deeply. Was she a, deep, a yeah. deep talker? Yeah. Yeah, she had a deep, deep kind of voice. Yeah. And... Uh, but I always remember that she had a very pretty smile. Oh, uh, and when but she didn't show it often. <laughs> so tell me about the first day you get there at school and you sit down in your desk or your area. Is that right? Yes. And what was the first thing that happened? Well, uh, first of all, my sister Hazel led me over to my desk and told me to put my 
tablet and my pencils on top of the desk. And then she started to walk away, and I popped out of that desk, hanging on to her for dear life. Don't leave me here. Oh, no. (laughs) The room scared me. It was large, and I couldn't see out the windows because they were so high. And so I began to cry, and... And then Miss Vosberry told me that I would get used to it and that I would learn a lot of new things. Mm-hmm. Did she take roll call? Yes. And <laughs> so when I stood up... I can't help it. This is like the funniest thing in the whole book. You were how old? Six uh, years old? Five or six, six years old? Probably okay. going to be seven. <laughs> uh, I never liked my name. Because my dad had uh, named me Sue Nell, and it was uh, spelled together. Uh, oh, really? All one word. S-U-E-N-E-L-L? And, yes. And I didn't like that name because everybody at home had called me Susie or Little One or uh, just get over here, girl. <laughs> <laughs> So hardly anybody used Sunel. And so I decided that I would rename myself. And when like, I was like off the top of your head, you're gonna rename yourself right that minute or Well, no. I had some paper dolls and I named my paper dolls uh Martha Sue. And uh so I just liked Martha for a name. So I decided I would just become Martha Sue because nobody else at school knew any different. So I introduced myself as Martha Sue. And what did your teacher say? She said, well, your sister said you were Sue Nell. And I said, yeah, that's what my daddy calls me. Did she call you Martha? No. No, that didn't last long then? No, three days. (laughs) In the book, it's so funny because you do say three three days. Each day, roll call. Martha Sue. Right. You are so... I was going to call you Martha today. Oh, okay. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> and my, my sister, Hazel, uh, honored me by naming her first daughter Martha Sue. Oh, no kidding. Oh, yes. Fantastic. Is, does she live around here? Uh, yes, my sister uh, still lives in Forsyth County, uh, but my niece, Martha Sue, uh, passed away in December. Last I'm sorry year. to hear that. So tell me more about school. What, what, what was your favorite class in school when you were growing up? Reading. And now you're a writer. <laughs> Pretty amazing, huh? Well, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so what were your chores? On the on the farm. Well, my main job was gathering the eggs and feeding the chickens. No, little bitties. No, what do they call them? Bitties. Bitties. Yes. Little bitties. <laughs> yeah. So you you were in charge of getting the eggs. Yes, and feeding the chicken their uh, their grain in the afternoon. Um, it was my duty to feed the dogs. And at that time, uh, I was pretty small so that that was about uh, and I had to bring in the kindling wood for the uh, wood cook stove and because you didn't have any electricity that's correct when was the first time you remember having electricity well the uh, uh, electrical trucks came in at the end of 1954 maybe early 55 Mm mm-hmm and install the power poles from the main road to our property. And it was my understanding that the people that lived off of the main roads, which the main road at that time was Highway 20 East and West, and what is now known as East Cherokee Drive and Owenstore Road. Mm-hmm. So from Owenstore Road... Daddy had to pay for the power poles to be set on his property. Oh, so the the government or the tax dollars paid for it to be on the main road, but then you had to have special yeah. poles on your drive. How long was your driveway? Uh, Six-tenths of a mile. Mm-hmm. So that I believe they set four poles. 
you remember the day the trucks showed up? Oh, yes. I have a story in uh, my book that tells all about the trucks coming and uh, blasting a hole in, in the cotton field to, with dynamite to get the hole deep enough to set the pole. Mm-hmm. And also the, the man that was in the truck... Uh, introduced me to my first knee-high orange carbonated drink. No kidding. Yes. They had been working, uh, digging the holes for the power poles, and it came lunchtime, and so he and the men quit, and there was a a large um, orange round cooler on the back of the truck, and he was handing out the drinks uh, to the men mm-hmm. and they had their little black uh, lunch boxes that the workers used to carry back in those days and I was sitting in the sandy ditch in front of my dad's workshop and he said come over here little girl and I said <laughs> no mama said I couldn't move from here so he walks over and he hands me a knee-high orange drink. I was just looking at it, and he said, uh, it's to drink. So he popped the little orange top off and handed me the little top, and he said, uh, this is called a knee-high orange soda. And I said, oh. So I took a drink of it, and then immediately by never having had carbonation i let out a big bullfrog burp (laughs) with my eyes watering and so you could see that he was really laughing because his stomach was jumping up and down oh my goodness but he uh he gave me a a knee-high drink every day every day Uh, he was working there yes Boy, were you lucky. Did you tell your sisters and brothers about it? No, they were at school. Oh, you didn't tell? Oh, well, I did tell them, but uh, they uh, said, well, why didn't you save us? <laughs> it was too good. Was it like the best thing you ever ate or drank? Oh, yes. It was wonderful. Can you just and taste it right now, just thinking about it? I can, yes. <laughs> and he, um, I ran to Mama, and I said, Mama, you need to taste this. This is so good. And then he walked to the porch and gave my mama one. Oh, how sweet. But now she, she had had carbonated drinks because at, at times she would uh, buy uh, Coca-Colas. Ah. And we, she would give it to us if we had upset stomachs or something of that nature. And sometimes we always faked a tummy ache to get either <laughs> blackberry juice or Coca-Cola. Blackberry juice. Yes. Yeah, when I when I would get colds back home, I'm from Wisconsin originally, uh-huh. and when we would get colds in the middle of the winter, sometimes our mom would give us blackberry brandy. Uh-huh. I think there might be a, a story that you have that has to do with alcohol. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Can you share one of those stories with us quickly? Well, one year there was an abundance of blackberries. And so we always picked the blackberries, canned some blackberries, and made jam. My dad always had the attitude, if somebody else can do it, I can too. That's a very good attitude. And so my Uncle Taff made really good blackberry wine. Mm. So Daddy decided that he was going to make some blackberry wine because we had so many blackberries that year. So he puts it in the churn, and it goes into the cellar, and it sits there for days until it works off and does its thing. Then finally, he (laughs) checks it, and Uncle Taff had come by, and he said, "Uh, Taff, you think this is ready? And Uncle Taff looks at it and shakes it and looks at it. He said, that's not even worth feeding to the hogs. Uh-oh. And so then Daddy told us to take the churn and empty it. So it was time to feed the pigs. So we took the churn, 
out to the pig pen, and Hazel said, I wonder if those pigs would like that. So she puts a little bit in the trough, and those pigs just go wild. They went crazy over it. So then we go and dump the rest of it down the bank like we were told. The pigs were let out to go to a small field to eat clover and whatever. So we let the pigs out of the pen, and they go down the hill and lap the red dirt right up in. <laughs> they made it. That, that wasn't just Georgia clay there, was it? Uh, no, it was wine infested <laughs> with blackberry. Apparently, those pigs were really knew what was good for them, huh? I, I suppose, but then they got a little tipsy and... So the rest of the story is that we imitated the pigs falling on their knees going to the clover patch. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that is hilarious. You have such good stories in this book. I'm telling you, again, the name of it is called Raised on Red Dirt by Sue Hansard, and it is loaded with giggles. I'm telling you, this is a really good book. Um, There was another time... I was just talking about, I'm from Wisconsin originally, and there's a lot of snow up there. But I understand you had some pretty good snow down here when you were young. That's true. Mm -hmm. And what happened? Well, uh, we were out of school for almost two weeks one year because of the ice and mud. Mm -hmm. And they couldn't generate enough heat to keep the school warm. Mm-hmm. So we were out of school, and uh, we just stayed home and cut wood and kept the fire going. I understand you and your sister wanted to get out and play in that snow. Is that right? Yes. Uh, finally, the mailman was able to run and bring the mail. And so we uh, went to pick up the mail, and we decided that we would slide up and down the hill and we played until we were like frozen icicles, and then we went back to the house. And Mama told us that uh, since we wanted to be out in that cold mess, just to go take care of the animals and feed the mule and water him. So as we were going to the barn, my sister slipped and fell and broke her collarbone. But we had been doing that all up and down the mailbox hill, as we called it. She would say, I've fallen and I can't get up. <laughs> so, Did she star in, in uh, commercials later on in life? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so she said that now she fell and she really couldn't get up. Right, and uh, me thinking that she was still acting silly, I grabbed her heels and pulled her the rest of the way down the little rise to, toward the barn. And she said, oh, Susie, you've got to quit. I'm really hurt. And I looked at her, and she was white. Mm. She was so sick. And when I finally got her on her feet, she just kind of vomited projectile. And I was like, oh, oh Lord, she really is hurt. Oh, my goodness. That must have been so scary. It was. And Daddy had to go and get uh, my uncle. And he had a Jeep at the time with chains. So he come and got Hazel and Daddy and took them uh, to here to Canton to Coker's Hospital. And they fixed up her arm. She had broken her collarbone. Oh, that was hard then, huh? Yes. Well, she stayed home. Uh, we continued to stay home until the ice melted. She, she sewed. My sister was a a very good seamstress. Really? And so she made clothes while on Mama's pedal machine. We mm-hmm. didn't have an electric machine. And Oh, she, she had to use, she had to do like yeah. pushing with her feet in order to make the needle move? Yes. Oh my goodness, that's great. Okay. And so even with her arm bound up, she could still use her arm from the elbow down. Because uh, they oh. strapped her shoulder uh, to her body, but she could use the bottom part of her hand. Mm-hmm. So she could still uh, pedal the machine and sew. So she made quite a few dresses for us. That was 
that was a bonus for you. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> we all went to school again with uh, new dresses. Fantastic. Yeah. So, <clears throat> so that's when your sister got hurt. But I understand you had a pretty, a pretty rough go at it one time with uh, some hens. <laughs> <laughs> yes, ma'am. I, I love the chickens and especially the little baby chicks. And at that time, we called them biddies. Little bitties? Yes, little bitties. And Mama had some bantam chickens, which were really small. Oh, um, like uh, full-grown, they're small? Yes, they okay. probably were about 8 inches to 10 inches high. Mm. But they were really ill-tempered little fellows. So Mama had like an A-frame coop that... Uh, had slats so the baby chicks could crawl through the slats and come out and play and forage for food, but the mama hen stayed inside the coop, mm. and the little chicks would stay right around her so that they could get into the coop in case the sharp-shinned hawk or the red-tailed hawk came around and decided a little chick would be a good lunch. Yikes. That's the first chicken nuggets right there. Yeah. <laughs> so one day, uh, well, I, I always played with the little chicks, and uh, I would catch them and put them in my, my dress tail and go out in the barnyard to the uh, sand pile and play with the baby chicks. Mm -hmm. And so when I ca caught all the babies that day, I went across the barnyard, and my dress was kind of hiked up over my panty line. Uh-oh. And so all <laughs> of a sudden, I heard this awful screech from the mama hen, and I did not know that my mama had let the hen out. <gasps> so she was uh, not happy that I had her baby chicks. So she came flying at me, and she hit me on my rear end and buried her beak into my white little butt cheek and hung there for a while, clawing my leg. <gasps> so I, she grabbed on with her beak and, like, started scratching my with leg. Her. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so I started screaming, and I threw the baby chicks down, and Mama came out on the porch just about in time to see the chicken hanging to my rear. <laughs> Wow, chicken butt right there. <laughs> right. So, oh my gosh, go on. And anyway, uh, she told me to come to the house, and she couldn't help but laugh. And I kept saying to Mama, I'm really hurt. Why are you laughing at me? <laughs> and she, the only thing she said was, I guess you'll learn to leave them little bitties alone now, won't you? <laughs> did you go play with them anymore? I did, but I made sure Mama Hen was in the coop. That's right. <laughs> you're a little devil out there with those little biddies getting them to play with. Oh, you're crazy. So what did your daddy do besides farm? You said he had a workshop. What was his workshop about? He was a um, farrier, and he was uh, an iron worker. He made things from iron. Mm -hmm. He made things from wood. Uh, he did just uh, whatever he needed on the farm. If he couldn't borrow it from somebody else, he made it. Fantastic. What and a skilled man. Yes, he was. He had a, a lot of uh, amazing skills that you learn by living on a self-sustaining farm. Mm -hmm. And my grandpa uh, was uh, also an iron worker he he made iron things but he was a little more sophisticated than daddy was because he had a generator that mm -hmm. generated power and he could turn his grinding stones by electricity and so grandpa rigged up lights from the generator into their house so they had electricity for a few hours each night uh, before bedtime mm -hmm. that 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 was it just plain old light bulbs hanging in the ceiling we've touched on several of your stories already there's so many good ones in here I could go on about the turtle and 
all kinds of fun stories, but I think people should take their time and read this book. So, Sue, can you tell us where we can purchase the book, where everybody can get it? Uh, yes, ma'am. Right now, Mid-City Pharmacy here in Canton on Main Street has my books. And also uh, the Funk Heritage Center on the Reinhardt University campus has my books in their store. So for right now, that's where they can physically go buy them. But they can email me, and I will actually mail the book to them if that's what they desire, or I can actually meet them someplace. Wonderful. Where? What is your email address? Uh, Sue N. Hansard at gmail.com. That's S-U-E-N? Yes. H-A-N-S-A-R-D at gmail.com. Yes. Okay, and then you're going to mail it to them or meet them. That's I think true. It, I think the best idea is to meet you for maybe a cup of tea or something. Yes. You probably have a lot more stories than are written in this book. Uh, yes, but my son said you got to find a stopping point sometime. <laughs> you, maybe you need a second book. Will you have a sequel? I don't think so. No. <laughs> it's a lot of work to write a book, isn't it? It is. Um, I started my book book many well not many years ago but maybe four five years ago just out on a whim because my son was going to Kennesaw College uh, Lance is his name and he was getting a professional writing degree Mm -hmm. and so he went to the Georgia Georgia Writers Association And he said, Mama, you want to go with me and hear some of the stories that they're telling? And I said, sure. So when we left, I said, well, shoot, Lance, I've got all the stories. My stories are good as theirs. And he just says, well, Mama, start writing them. There you go. So I started writing them down just on paper and uh, kept them for a while. And one day Lance said, Mama, how much have you written so I handed him my composition book, and it was pretty full. He said, well, now you got to start typing. <laughs> and so it went from, you know, just uh, putting them down on paper and then typing them. And, and then I kind of got the idea, well, I need to be going in order here. I need mm-hmm. to start telling the stories like they happened. And so uh, for this year on my birthday Lance uh, came up to the house and he handed me his computer and he had edited my entire uh, stuff for my birthday. So you typed it into a computer then he took it and edited it all? Yes. That's fantastic. You have a good son. Yes I do. I have two good sons. My other son is Harold Hansard and he lives in Waleska. And we had a daughter, Nina, and she passed away seven years ago. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. So she was a poetry writer. She liked to write poetry. And some, somehow or another, I think she was uh, spiritually sitting close by while I was writing all these stories because I had told these stories to my children at different times in their life. Yeah. So she was helping you. I think she spiritually. was. Spiritually. Of course she was. That's really sweet. Is this, yeah, you wrote this. There's a poem at the front of the book, too, that yeah. you wrote. That must be, you must have had her channeling in you while you wrote this, too. It's really pretty. But we're going to let Thank people you. read it. Okay. It's Something's got to be a surprise, right? Right. That's right. <laughs> So is there a story in here that you think is the funniest story that you'd like to share with us? Uh, Yes, I I think the one I like the best is called The Mule Egg. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I'm not going to tell a whole lot about the story, except the fact that at Christmas time, we went to the farmer's market down in Atlanta and bought lots of fruit and stuff. And Mama always bought a couple of coconuts to make our Christmas cakes. And so 
when she, Daddy uh, came home with those and laid them on the table, I said, Daddy, what is that? And he said, that's a mule egg. <laughs> and I said, a mule egg? A mule don't lay eggs. And so he just laughed about it. And so then when uh, Mama told my brother Elmer to go and break the coconut to... I tried to take it away from him because I thought there was a little baby mule in it. <laughs> so that's all the story they can have. They'll have to read the rest of it. Yeah. You know, I just find it so wonderful. Your parents lived, brought your whole family up in a very, uh, what you refer to as pioneer day type, yes. type upbringing. And the humor, you must get your humor from your parents because they seem like such lovable fun-loving people um yeah you daddy was a good storyteller yeah (laughs) you're a very good storyteller as well and I love how your mom's like well that'll teach (laughs) you it sounds like you had a very rich life here in Cherokee County I did and I do have to say that my life being the baby in the family was much easier than my siblings Mm -hmm. because they did have to really work hard on the farm. And basically, by the time I got old enough to really work on the farm, Daddy had gotten uh, hurt with his back, and he wasn't uh, able to farm very much anymore. So I didn't have to do near the hard work that the siblings did. Yeah, yeah. They'd have a whole different book of stories, wouldn't they? Yes. Yes, they yes, would. Yes, they would. <laughs> All right. Do you remember this mill? Do you remember the cotton mill here? I do. I remember both of the mills. And uh, Daddy brought his cotton over to the Joneses uh-huh. uh, over on the, the four-way stop over at 140 and 5, the Jones mill used to be there then they would uh i mean store excuse me the jones store and that's where you made the deal on how much cotton you had so the joneses bought it and then uh there was another mill up in uh freehome latham town community and one over at hickory flat so basically, Daddy checked them all out and took his cotton to the one that was given the best price. So actually, some of your cotton, cotton from your fields, were milled right here in this cotton mill it's a and good, made into Canton denim. It's a good possibility. Isn't that something else? Yes. You are woven into the fabric of this history. Yes. And what I remember about coming to town and we would come by the mill, you could always see kind of like the fuzz coming out the windows. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, it was just spewing into the atmosphere. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Isn't that something? Yeah. Did you ever think you'd be coming here in the year 2021 into this cotton mill? No. <laughs> I I really didn't because I figured this building would be long gone right uh, before they, it makes me so happy that they have kept it. Can you believe how beautiful it is in here? It is. It it's a great job. Yeah. We're very we're very fortunate to be a part of the history. Uh, enjoy Cherokee Magazine and enjoy Cherokee Voices. We're just so thrilled to be a part of this here. So Goshen Valley provides peace and purpose to youth in foster care. There is an ongoing need for foster families in Cherokee County and all over Georgia. Goshen Valley is here to help meet that need. They provide safe, stable, and loving family-based models of care for those in need. Goshen Homes is a vital component of Goshen Valley. Goshen Homes understands that siblings in foster care should not be separated because they grow better together. For this reason, Goshen Homes works to recruit, train, license, and support foster families working with sibling groups in Cherokee County and the state of Georgia. If you have a little extra room in your home and heart, consider learning more about Goshen Homes and the unmatched joy you can discover by becoming foster parents. Visit www.goshenvalley.org homes. That's www.goshenvalley.org homes.
Okay, Sue, get ready. We're going to have a little fun now. We're going to do what's called quickie questions. I'm going to give you some rapid fire questions, and I just want you to answer the best of your knowledge. No wrong answers here. And uh, it's just going to help us get to know you a little bit better. Here we go. Do you prefer moon pies or Google clusters? Google clusters. Do you prefer Coca-Cola or orange knee-high? Orange knee-high. Forever? Forever. Are you a morning person or a night owl? Morning person. What's your favorite television show? Um, I, I like uh, the Alaskan pictures that they show. Uh, Homestead Rescue with the Rainies. Oh, yes. And uh, Life Below Zero. Really? I, I like those kind of programs, and I like uh, Georgia Public Television programs. Which is your favorite meal of the day? Dinner. What's your favorite dinner to put on the table? Fried chicken, gravy and biscuits, and mashed potatoes. I'm coming over. Do you prefer the country or the city? country Uh, we didn't even have to ask that one what is your favorite restaurant in cherokee county buffaloes buffaloes what do you get at buffaloes chicken wings woohoo little bitties no wait bitties (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) well thanks again for coming in i hope you have a wonderful day and i look forward to having everybody out there in cherokee county buy this book from you because it is filled with fun Um, I will be having a book signing uh, August the 11th at the Rock Barn. So anyone that's interested in coming out and listening to my presentation and maybe viewing some of my artifacts, uh, I will be there August the 11th at uh, 6.30. 6.30 p.m.? uh, Yes. That sounds like a great time. Also, uh, I will be at the uh, Ball Ground Historical Society this coming Tuesday, the 27th, at the Community Center in Ball Ground. Wonderful. At 6.30 also. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much. I hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you, and thank you for having me. You're very welcome. Enjoy Cherokee Voices and Enjoy Cherokee Magazine are produced by EMI, a nationally recognized award-winning multimedia content producer. Copyright 2021. All rights reserved. For additional information about this and all of our podcasts, visit enjoycherokee.com. If you enjoyed this show, click subscribe and take some time to rate and review the podcast now. It really does help us succeed in the booming world of podcasts. And now, stay tuned for Fun Facts with Katie. And we're back with Fun Facts with Katie. Woohoo! Hi. What do you think of Miss Sue now? She is just precious. I know it. She's so nice and sweet. <laughs> she is so much fun. Oh my gosh. And that book, I'm telling you, I cracked up all the way through that book. There's a lot of really good stories in there. Yeah. She had all kinds of stories. We could have been here all day. I know. I think everybody should rush out and buy that book. I'm not kidding. It's it's a fun one. Yeah. So did you find any facts out about Miss Sue? I did. Um, she's she's full of all kinds of stories. You definitely have to read the book. Um, but so she was born here in Macedonia. Uh, she was born here in 1947, and she's lived here her whole life. That is amazing. Right? She loves Cherokee County. She does, and she has a lot of great stories to tell about it mm-hmm. um sue and her husband of 57 years tommy uh, they visited all 50 states together and 13 countries get out of town yeah so she's not oh just God. been here in cherokee she's she's a well-traveled woman so she's been all around the world and decided to stay here her whole life um, she also, she spent her working career as a mental health professional at the Georgia Highland Center for Mental Health. Mm-hmm. Um, she started out in a part-time position, and after many years of working there, uh, she became the director of the day treatment programs for both Cherokee and Pickens County. Wow. So she's had a very outstanding professional career as well. I bet and she, then, could, she could write a few other books, I bet, with She that. most mm-hmm. certainly could. Um, after she retired, she traced her Cherokee Native American heritage back to 1792, 
which is also a book <laughs> within itself. 1792. Yeah. She, oh my gosh, that's like chasing it back to George Washington. Yeah. So Sue is also a Reiki practitioner. How do you spell that? Reiki. It's R-E-I-K-I. And for those of you who don't know, Reiki is a Japanese form of alternative medicine, also called energy healing. And so they use a technique called palm healing, through which a universal energy is said to be transferred through the palms of the practitioner to the patient. And it encourages emotional or physical healing. Wow. So. Yeah, I have a little story about that. I had a a long time ago. There was a gentleman who did a presentation at one of the schools I worked at, one mm-hmm. of the colleges I worked at, and he offered to give me a free Reiki session, I guess you would call uh-huh. it, and I panicked. I was on the uh, front steps oh of his no. house, and I panicked, but at the time, I had never had a massage or anything, <laughs> oh, and the yeah. whole thing just seemed a little bit weird. He's like, I won't even put my hands on you. I had to leave. I was in some <laughs> kind of panic attack. Oh, no. <laughs> I felt really bad. But now that I know more about it, maybe mm-hmm. I would feel more confident. and Right. Yeah, I had never heard of it until Sue was here and she was talking about it. And that, I mean, once again, there's another book for you. Yeah, no but kidding. She's an amazing woman. She I, is. I, so, I'm, I feel so honored to get to know her and everybody that we have come in our studio. I just mm-hmm. feel honored to be able to hang out with these people. Absolutely. You too can get to know Sue at her book signing with the Cherokee County Historical Society on August 11th at 6.30 p.m. at the Rock Barn, which is at 658 Marietta Highway in Canton. And she will be there to discuss, give a little presentation about her book and her stories, and you can get a copy of the book and have her sign it. So August 11th, what day of the week is that? August 11th is a Wednesday. Rocking out at the Rock Barn. Oh, yeah. On August 11th. All right, 6.30. I think I'm going to go. Yeah, absolutely. That's all the fun facts we have today? That's all the fun facts. All right. Well, Katie, once again, you rocked it, just like the rock barn rocks it. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Thanks again. And everybody? Enjoy Cherokee. That's right. Get out there. Bye.